So we're in a series on, uh, on anointing, but you know, um, as, these, as these different words are coming at me this week at a time when I'm feeling like we as the church need <laughs> these words right now, we need, you know, this has been um, in so many ways this, this last um, 12, 18 months for the church has been so interesting. There is a fire going through the church and there are things passing through the fire. There are also things, things being destroyed in the fire, and the fact is, there there is there is a challenged part in the body of Christ right now in terms of our connection to each other, um, in terms of uh, you know there really has been kind of a stretch and a rip in the in the family. Do y'all feel what I'm talking about? Are you with me? Okay, and um, and it's it's so important. I feel like. <clears throat> I'm told you're supposed to do something like this, and it, it makes it so you quit, <laughs> so you quit choking up and you can talk. <laughs> I feel like it's time for us, um, not just that this season, oh, she's taking care of me, thank you. Um, not just that this is the end of that season, but I feel like um, we are to begin as the body of Christ demanding the end of that season, okay? Um, it's time to reach, it's time to take our authority, right? And it's time to remember that we're, that we're the family of God. Um, now, these seats look empty, but I'm in touch with enough of these families out there, folks out there, that I know that these seats are not empty. It's just, it's still COVID stuff. And they're, they're still, I'm getting letters, cards, phone calls, and they're, they're letting us know we're with you. We're there. We're just, we're just not there yet. But the thing is, people are feeling lonely and disconnected, and that's, that's just a fact. So um, you, um, actually, you know what? Would you help me out? There are note cards on the counter in there. They're like bright fluorescent colors on the counter. Yeah, just in the, on the, in the office. Mm-hmm. And, just, and maybe like as many pens as you can find. Or any kind of paper, if you don't, if those aren't where I think they are. Um, I feel like we need to do something. I feel like we need to make a resolve to reach out. A lot of these folks are, are in great warfare at the moment. You should know this. Thank you. <laughs> um, so much so that, like, like, I did warfare all night last night. I, I, I barely slept last night, and it seems like when I was sleeping, I was still doing warfare in my sleep. I'm having individuals, families come to my mind that are being attacked, that are being warred against, and they need to reach out. So um, when these cards come back, I'm going to have them passed out, and then we're just going to ask the Lord to place one, one family. It's not a big assignment. One family, one name on your heart, and I want you to write it on there and stick it in your pocket. Someone that you're going to pray for, either make a phone call to or visit in person if they feel safe about that. But people need that. People, I just sense that it's time, it's time that we say it's the end of that season. Thank you. Can you pass that out? Maybe even get a helper, one to uh, one everybody. Um, but we, I feel like we need to do it with our action. We're not, not just, not, 
prayer only. Prayer is the biggest thing, right? It's, a, it's an unseen battle. But I feel like it's time for us as the family of God to, to take action about the loneliness, about people feeling like they don't have support in the war, the attack that's against them. Okay, thank you. Thank you. We've got to get serious about this. You guys want to get serious about this with me? It's time for people to come on back. You know what? There's no COVID danger in this building. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's time to come back and be the family of God. And, um, and not that I mean for you to go make people uncomfortable who still feel unsafe. Okay? But they, but they at least need somebody to pray with them. They need somebody to talk to them. So do it right now. Don't wait. I ask you, Lord, right? I ask you, Lord, to put in the mind of a brother or sister in Christ from this family or even, or even just, just a brother or sister in Christ, and we ask you to give us that name, Lord. Give us an assignment. We want an assignment. And now, Lord, I pray that you will bless this, that, your, that the anointing of your Holy Spirit goes with every phone call, and every conversation, that there's healing in it, and that there's encouragement in the battle. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to go with us in this assignment so that it is filled with your effectiveness and your power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is that good? Do you all believe he's going with you in it? Yeah? Do you agree with me that that's what we need to do at this point? It's, it's just time. It's just time. Um, go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6 <clears throat> to get started. People are just taking care of me. See, people need encouragement. <laughs> and I really, um, you know, I prayed over that that. That word that was read, I, I spent time meditating and I just prayed over that word. And the Lord brought me to this scripture concerning it. Um, so I'm just going to read starting verse 6. Let him who is taught, um, actually I mean to start in verse 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in good season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith." Now, I, I really want to focus just for a minute on, um, let's see, I believe it's verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Some versions say, for if you don't lose heart, there is a harvest. I think that that is where um, we, are, we are at right now, okay? I feel like this is a season where, um, where we are... We are laboring. We do care. Um, this is a church where we, we, have, we have always had a, a family here that, that cares deeply and works hard for each other. Do you all agree with me? 
And I feel like we're getting, we're getting weary. We're getting drawn thin. I feel it myself. But the thing is, we, we've got to take heart in the word of the Lord here. And it, it says that in due season, okay? So in the Lord's time, he promises a harvest and, and commands us here um, to not be weary in this doing well. Okay, and that's really just a thought. I just had to put this in here. That's what he gave me on meditating on that prophetic, on that, on that word that we had. And I really didn't know before I showed up this morning that we were going to have more than one prophetic word. We really need to pray more. Do you know that it was just at the end of last service that if you joined me in the prayer, we asked the Lord to make that encouraging prophetic word break out in this church. Do you all remember that? It's, uh, he is not slow to answer when it is, when it is his will that we're praying. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, anointing. You know, would you, will you just pray with me? I feel like I'm not supposed to just jump on through this game plan I have here. So just, just pray with me. Just I want you to silently just ask him to um, direct us now. Okay, thank you, Jesus. I feel like I'm supposed to set that message down. <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> okay, now you can't hold this against our tech people, and you're not allowed to freak out at this moment. <laughs> Too late. Now, so they're, they're probably not going to be up here if I know... If I know them back there, they're going to scramble to try and do it anyway, although you don't need to. <laughs> you don't even need to try. I really, I'll, but if you, I know I probably can't stop you. So um, I've just turned to Exodus um, 33. I believe I'm in the right spot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I'm reading this. I'm just going to start reading from, um, from the word here. This is Moses. This is Moses. I didn't give you the verse. 33, 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, <coughs> Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight. Except you go with us, 
So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. <clears throat> okay, I got it. I know. Okay, listen. Listen, church, I am. Um, this has been a word um, to me all my life. This is a life passage. And um, he's, he's been speaking like progressively <laughs> through it throughout my life. As I was reading, um, you know, what stands out to me that I believe I'm supposed to speak is, um, is verse 18. So he's telling the Lord, okay? He's telling the Lord, if your presence doesn't go, don't send us, right? And, and we have that heart here, don't we? <laughs> we don't want to go anywhere without his presence. I've always seen this all my life. Please show me your glory as out of place. As kind of like, well, maybe, maybe like Moses is on a roll. Um, but I just saw it. Like, like, well, I'm on a roll, so why don't I just go ahead and ask to see his glory? I mean, why not? This conversation's going pretty good. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's it. Um, as, as I was reading, um, I just had this insight. <clears throat> it's the same conversation. <clears throat> All right, I've got to pull it together. <laughs> it's the same conversation. I see it now. The show me your glory. I want to tell you something. This is a guy who's just taken heed of his call. That's what the whole conversation is about. He's taking this great and mighty call that is bigger than he is. He's taken it to heart like he never has before in his life. That's the whole reason for the whole conversation. That's why he's saying, um, don't even send us if your presence doesn't come. Because he knows that it's bigger than he is. He knows the calling on the people of God that are about to embark on this journey that he calls forth on them that what he's got is not enough. So the presence must go. <clears throat> And I see here that when he says, Lord, show me your glory, he's still having the same conversation. In other words, listen, God just said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And Moses, I'm seeing, Moses has a realization that even this is not enough. <laughs> now, listen, I see this like I never have before. To go into the mightiness of our calling as the people of God, even his presence, <laughs> 
doesn't quite fulfill it. You see, we've got to see his glory. Now listen, uh, like we've got to literally see his glory or we don't have what we need to go where he's taken us. I think of the prophet Isaiah at this moment. And even Isaiah, what caused the anointing to break out on his calling? What caused him to be the prophet that he needed to be for the calling on his life? I see the Lord sitting on high. I see the glory of the Lord. And then his lips are cleansed and he's able to fulfill his call. This is what Moses is doing in this passage. Moses, it's not that he doesn't want to go. He wants to go. He just knows he's not going to do it without what he needs. And I sense that this is the calling on on the church right now. And I don't just mean this church. I mean the church. The world is changing at an ex. The world's always been changing, and it's always been going downhill <laughs> in the darkness of, of the enemy in this place. But it's changing at exponential rate now, and the Lord is preparing his bride where he's going to take us. And just like he's preparing Moses in this passage, he's preparing us. And um, I don't know about you guys, but as I look back over this last year, maybe even probably two years, we are becoming a people of the presence. Do you know that? Do you feel ever more focused on, on the necessity of the presence of God far more than like the church would study or the church would, would have disciplines? Um, we are becoming a people that are saying, if your presence doesn't go, then we're not going. And I feel like this morning the Lord's taking us just one more step in the preparation of his bride for where we're going. And we are, we are a church that, that needs to be coming. I, I mean us here, but I also mean just the church. We need to see and experience the glory of the Lord or we're not going to have the equipment. Seeing the glory of God is, is, is a transforming encounter that makes it so the people are equipped with what they need to walk into the things he's going to bring us into. I'm shaking. They make the Bible, the Bible pages are too thin for when your hands are shaking. Thirty-three. Now I think of this. He says, in this case, Moses sees the glory of the Lord from the back. (laughs) we sang this morning your face shine upon in fact let's go to numbers 22 I think we need to do this is it numbers 22 number 6 thank you No, 622, 622. That's where I'm getting the 22. The priestly blessing. Now listen, Moses says, let me see your glory. And the Lord says, okay, I'll show you my glory. Like this, right? He's protected. He sees the glory from the, from the back. Now this is, 
This is um, what I'm, I'm just sensing so powerfully in this moment. The priestly blessing is not seeing the glory of the Lord from the back. It's that his face would shine upon. It's a different kind of glory. Now listen, it's the blessing on priests. Who's a priest? Okay, it's the priesthood of all believers. The work of Jesus did that for us. We are the priest. And, and if we're going to head into, be prepared for the way we're going to witness to the Father in the way the world's changing, then we're going to be a people who see the glory as face-to-face. Now, Moses spoke to him face-to-face. But in this conversation about, about beginning a journey, he saw the glory from the back. It's the, it's the glory, it's this prayer that we're praying as we worship this morning, seeing the glory of the Lord face to face, having his face shine upon in such a way that glory is evident. Do you know what that language means? It means, um, it means literally the glory of God. In other words, not the idea or the concept out there, but the face shining upon in the original language literally means his favor shed upon in such a way that it's visible to the physical realm. (laughs) Do you know um, the way... God's chosen people took the promised land. Well, you know the way. They had a great warfare. I've been talking about warfare all morning because I'm all torn up about what's going on in families and the attack that's going on against God's people, and it's not right. We're supposed to carry an authority where his face shines upon. Now, he promised trouble, and I was actually going to preach about the trouble this morning, (laughs) but apparently we're not doing that. I want to tell you, you know how they took the promised land. They took, it, um, they took it, first of all, by warfare, right? Warfare was in, in God's economy, in God's ways, warfare was only for one purpose, to take ground. Last week, we had a word from the young man over here. Um, his prayer was that we would not lose ground we've taken. We would take no prisoners. I think I heard that prayed this morning. Was that during the service or before? Before. We're not going to lose ground we're taking. Do you know why the Lord had them take it little by little? So that they could hold it. That's right. In fact, there's a place, and I have no idea where it is right now, in the word of God where where the Lord says to his people, if I give you the land all at one time, you won't be enough to hold it, even because of the wild beasts. You know that it says that? It says that wild beasts would take over the land because it wouldn't be fully occupied if they conquered it before they had grown into a stature and a population that could hold the land, wild beasts would overtake it. Wild beast in scripture is, is, always, um, is always symbol of the, of the unseen war of the demonic warfare that we fight. He's making us a people, I'm certain of it. He is preparing us. He's not going to bring us as his treasured bride into a time and a season in history in which we are to witness to him, and he's not going to bring us into that without preparing us.
um, I, um, I feel like I should read this. <laughs> I've now gone to Luke 18. <laughs> you know why I'm giggling. Are you still trying? <laughs> While she's doing it. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> Luke 18, we're going to start verse 1. I think. Yeah, this is the parable. Yep. <laughs> why are we doing this? Verse 18. Okay, then he spoke a parable to them. Jesus, that is, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he really find faith in the earth? This is a, you know, this is a warfare verse. Do you know how we know that? We know that because it, it talks about, um, it, it is Jesus using a parable to talk about um, the Lord as judge. Okay? Judgment is always, we go to a judge for warfare. You know, there are different ways that we approach God. You all know this. We've taught about this before. We approach him as father, right? And we approach him as father because we are the children of God. And so we approach him that way for our needs, don't we? Because, um, because a father is provider. A father loves for needs, okay? Um, another way that we approach him, which is in this passage, is as judge. Every time you see a passage of a courtroom or a judge, it has to do with the warfare that we fight. Now, um, I think I know exactly why we're reading this, okay? Um, it ends, isn't it funny that in court, it's the persistence, okay? First of all, signifying our prayer. It's the persistence that says we are going to have justice. We are going to move into where you're taking us, Lord. Okay? But isn't it peculiar that the last verse I read, in other words, the last thing Jesus has to say about this before moving on to another parable is that when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith in the earth? Now, I want to tell you, <laughs> um, you all have faith, right? I've got faith. What faith are we talking about here in this warfare? And I think I, I can just see like the stepping stones now. I see the journey we're walking in. There's faith that we're looking at this morning. The faith, um, first of all, that, that he is the one that brings about the victory, okay? That he's the one that makes the plans. But there's a faith that we're getting wrong. And the second... That, and I don't mean we're getting it wrong. There's a faith that what we're getting wrong is we're not taking it to heart like Moses did. 
not quite like Moses did, and we're coming into a season where we need to take it to heart. What faith do we have to have to take that calling to heart? Do you know what it is? It's the faith that he chose you for it. Just period. You know, we, we have this word about different wells we can drink out of this morning. And, and I just sense that I'm supposed to be telling you we're not taking our call serious enough. Now, now here's the thing. <clears throat> we have to believe that we are truly chosen and we, were, we are truly alive for this call to take the chosen people of God up. Otherwise, you know what happens? We will live greatly distracted in this unseen battle. Our physical eyes, now, now listen to me. Okay, here we go. Our physical eyes are showing us battles all the time. I think I alluded to this last week, and maybe, maybe now is when I should speak it. <clears throat> We're in a time where we are fighting so many fake battles, it's unbelievable. While the real warfare wages, and we don't even believe we have strong calling in that. We're not taking up the role of Moses where we say, where we not only demand that I'm not even going unless your presence comes, but we move on to the next step where we say, not only that, I need to see some glory, or I'm not going to have the strength to go into the types of things you call me to. I need to see some glory. What is that? That's Moses taking heed of the call. Now, now listen to me. Here's our woes, okay? And believe me, jo I join into this. I can, I've had seasons of my life. I'm not in one right now. But I have, I've had much time in my life wasted on news. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch news. It's good to know what's going on in the world, okay? But let me tell you something. When we're pouring more energy into the news than we are, into the news and saying, God, I need the, the good news. God, I need to see your glory. Then we're drinking from the wrong well. And we're fighting a whole bunch of false battles that don't mean anything. Now, let me tell you something, church. Do you know, um, I'm not going to get all political, so don't get scared. Okay, but I am going to talk about politics. We're Americans, and I think it's impacting us in this country. Okay, and not for the better. Not for the better for the kingdom of God. Because let me tell you something. I think we've gotten to a place where the liberal thinks that they have the Christian standpoint. And the conservatives are wrong. Now listen, I think the conservative thinks they have the Christian standpoint and the liberals are wrong. And we could go Green Party. We could go pick an issue. And I want to tell you something. No matter how you think about that, it is deception. Do you know why I can say it is distracting deception and it is a false battle? Do you know why we can say that? Because those are world systems. <laughs> They're doomed to fail. I don't care which side seems to more closely match your idea of Jesus' kingdom. Neither of them, none of them are. When we spend more time Facebooking our political ideology than we do drawing into saying, God, I need to see your glory because any and all of those world system kingdoms are inferior to your government. Yes. 
None of them are ever going to fulfill righteousness on this planet. In fact, you know the most dangerous political ideology to take on? The one that looks the closest to the kingdom of God. Do you hear me? (laughs) It'll be more deceptive than the most evil-looking political ideology on the planet. It will draw you into false battles until you have no time for the presence of God whatsoever and the high and mighty calling that makes you call out to God and say, God, if, if I'm going into this calling that you call me to, then I have got to see your glory. It's time that our families are not successfully attacked. We need your authority, and when we pray, we need that effectiveness that you talk about in John 15. We're moving into a season where playing church nicely is not going to work. I don't know how much longer we're even going to be having services like this. Look, I'm not going to get all conspiracy theory or act like I have a prophetic word here. I just know you're watching too, aren't you? Are you watching the censorship? Do you see where we're going? And it shouldn't surprise us. I'm not claiming some timing like it's going to happen in 2020. I don't know. It may not happen for 50 more years. My only point is that the world is going to hell and every world system in it. Do you know when you Facebook out a a political thing or you pass something on, do you know what you're doing? The Lord showed me this about two weeks ago. You're actually expressing your faith in it. (laughs) What is your faith in? What will you spend your time testifying to? I think it's the book of Timothy talks about idol talk. Idle talk. How are you going to witness to someone on the political other side if you make them an enemy of yours? (laughs) I think I'm going to go ahead and say this. Um, (laughs) Can I say this, Lord? this is, the, this is the greatest country that there's ever been for a human to live in in the history of humanity. Um, we have the greatest constitution there has ever been that protects rights. And I tell you, though, the Lord's rearranging me on this. We're all laid up over the constitution. <laughs> Do you know the constitution of the kingdom? Is the Beatitudes. What are those? I think it's. I think the Lord's given me permission to pick these up now. I did put the Beatitudes in my notes. The Constitution of the Kingdom is: Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know what you have the right to? Being poor in spirit. You know what you have the right to? Being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now listen, I believe in the Constitution too. I just want to tell you something. I think as Americans, as rights-loving Americans, 
we have a harder go at keeping ourselves grounded in the kingdom of God. Do you know why that is? <laughs> it's all about our rights, okay? We're, we've, we've become entitled. Now, I want to make you think about Jesus, okay? <laughs> actually, let's look at Paul first. This actually is in my notes. It's kind of neat. I'm getting back into familiar territory here. <laughs> um, let me... <laughs> let me, I have no idea where I, no, no let me look here. <laughs> Little, <laughs> that's right. See, that's, we needed you, Manny. We're, you've been missed. Okay, let me see. Um, okay, I think I'm in Acts, no, I know I am, Acts 23. And I'm going to start right in verse 1. I was going to show you, and I'm going to give you the lightning round, okay? This morning, my plan, and I think it's okay if I tell you now. I was going to show you Paul hanging on to the words of his encounter with Jesus no matter what. So you all know his encounter. He's, first, he's Saul. The name it means significant one, and he's persecuting. He's slaughtering Christians. He is way against God. And then what? He sees God's glory, doesn't he? And, uh, and he's struck, he's blinded, he needs to be healed by the body of Christ. He needs to, more glory, right? Actual glory, face shining upon. Not just the idea of God's glory, but glory in his life that is life-changing. And Jesus speaks words to him, okay? And he uses those same words. I should have, you don't, don't go here, or you're... You're going to quit liking me, so don't go where I'm going. I'm, I'm not even going to tell you where it is, <laughs> so you don't try. <laughs> what does Jesus say? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, right? What's significant about that? Well, the most significant thing is, is it's Jesus' words to, to Saul at the time, who becomes Paul. That's what's significant. It's God's words to him. Okay, and what else does he say? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now, I'm showing you that because what I was going to do was go, was skip through all kinds of different chapters and acts. It's really fun to do. You can just page through your Bible and wait until you see red flash by and stop. And it's Paul telling the same words they, they vary just ever so slightly, but it is literally Paul recounting this one encounter moment in, in his life, and that's it. It doesn't matter if he's in front of a mob that wants to kill him. He repeats those words. If he's in front of the high priest defending what he's doing for the kingdom of God, he repeats those words. If he's in front of a king, King, um, I think this is the one, no, actually, um, King Herod, or, or Agrippa, Herod Agrippa, he's before the king. All of these are on trial, on trial by the world. And what you need to see is that it doesn't make him nervous at all. I'm not saying he's having a good time with it. I'm just saying, um, I'm just saying all he values is those words of Jesus from his encounter with Jesus. And he actually considers it joy. In one part, it, I don't know where it is. I'm not even going to try. But it cracks me up. The words literally say, I think myself happy. 
He thinks himself happy because the king is saying, is giving him permission to, to testify on his own behalf. And it causes Paul to say, I think myself happy. Do you know how much power God has given you to think yourself? <laughs> I'm not about to do a positive thinking self-help book. I'm just saying the way God designed it, he made you creationally powerful. You do think yourself. <laughs> okay? He's on trial. He's in front of a guy who can literally kill him at any moment. And he says, I think myself happy. And he goes on and says, why? Because you're giving me opportunity to what? Speak those words that Jesus gave him. That's it. He hangs his head on those words. Everything else is trash to him. He lives his life by those words and those words only. He cares not about, about the political systems going on when he's in front of the king. He doesn't even care about the Jewish or the Hebrew things really that are going on when he appears in front of the high priest which I think is the one I want to read here. Acts um, 23, verse 1. Now we're reading the first one that I gave you this morning, right? Hallelujah. We're, ma we're growing as a church. <laughs> 23, so, um, and I'm going to start concluding with this, but th this is so important. It says, Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> I know, that just kind of brings special pleasure to my heart. I, it shouldn't. I, that might be the sin nature. I'm just saying it kind of makes me grin. <laughs> I mean, he just got punched in the mouth <laughs> for speaking the truth. Then Paul said to, said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and, you, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? Now listen, verse 4, And those who stood by said, Do you revile God's high priest? Now watch this. Do you know what revile means? Yeah, yeah, all of those are kind of right. It literally means reproach, which, which literally means, it actually simply means to question, express disapproval or disappointment in. So bystanders say, who stood by, said, do you question or express disapproval or disappointment in God's high priest? Now, what would you expect Paul to do next? I, darn right I do. I just got punched in the mouth. <laughs> I mean, that makes it pretty hard to respect authority, doesn't it? Even though God asks us to. Isn't that funny? Even though Jesus kept completely silent mouth when hauled into the courts, as silent as a lamb, go into the slaughter, refuse to defend himself? Why? Jesus was sinless, and he was following God's law. And God's law was to respect authorities. Does God's law tell us to respect authorities when the authorities are right? That's true. Does God... Does, <laughs> that did not work out well. 
Does God's law tell us to respect authorities when authorities are wrong? Yes. In fact, Jesus modeled it. And I want you to see Paul here. I want you to show, I'm going to read verse 4 again and then go on. It says, and this is crazy. Just soak this in. And those who stood by said, do you revile God's high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Isn't that crazy? See, we're in a series on the anointed life, okay? And I'm, I'm going to c- conclude with a moment of anointing here. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the ways that we release God's anointing upon the body of Christ so that we can be accurate witness of the goodness of the Father, the way Paul models it here, the way Jesus models it with his entire life is to actually respect authority. That's it. Right or wrong? You understand that um, Ananias, having him punched in the mouth, it would be hard to say that he was in the right. And yet Paul wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. You know why? He valued the words. It was the calling that he valued over anything. He valued the anointing upon. Paul was someone who would say, If respecting authority means I get punched in the mouth twice, do it again. (laughs) It's just garbage to me compared to the calling on his life. You know what it is? I guess this is the final. I think I get to conclude three times, especially when the game plan gets blown up like that. Um, I want to tell you what it is. It's holy indifference. Let me explain that. How can we submit as Jesus did, as Paul does in this passage, even when this world is so darkly and, and full of evil, wrong? And yet we could go to what passage is it where it literally says there is no um, Romans chapter 13. Go look at it sometime. It literally says all authority is established by God. There is no such thing as a government or an authority that has not been established by God. That's a toughie. I don't know if you've ever grappled with that one. What is holy indifference? You see, the only way we completely swing open the doors to anointing because the Father can trust us to represent him is to have this indifference, and this is how we do it. The indifference is a, is a complete, and what I mean is just indifferent to the, to the authorities of this world. Res- we can be respectful because we don't care what your stance is because it's inferior to, to the government of God and that's it. You see, the only way Paul is like this and the only way Jesus was like this was in full recognition that it didn't matter. Do you follow me? It's the, he, 
Jesus knew that his father's rule, that the government of God was the only government. It it was superior. It couldn't be touched. And you can do anything to me in this life. You can do anything. You can imprison me. What's Paul saying? You can beat me. You can imprison me. You can torture me. And it doesn't matter (laughs) because it's inferior to the government of God. You look at the examples of anointed people. Daniel. How about the prophet Daniel? Okay, you all know his story. We don't have time to do it this morning. But these are all people who understood a basic thing, the doorway to anointing, is respect, is respecting the authorities, is submission so that you have opportunity to represent the Father. And I didn't know it when I made this message, but you know, it all goes back to Moses's show me your glory, doesn't it? Why? Why? If we're going to live like that, we are going to need to be a people who see the glory of God. It is the strength that says it is so far superior, I can be utterly indifferent. I love this country. I love this constitution. I, I, I love wealth and prosperity. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> yeah, I'm especially fond of hunting gear. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? Right? But all of it requires a holy indifference. So far superior. We need the glory of God to break out in this place. I'm just going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to start praying it now. But I'm just going to say, Lord, Lord, let the hunger rise up. May our prayer just become even more than, Lord, we need your presence. We need to see your glory. We need to see your goodness so in such great, vivid color reality in this physical realm that we never question what is inferior to him. And then we're, we're starting to get ready <laughs> to go into the kind of witness we're going to have in the way this world's changing. Mm-hmm.